That's because the test is not reliable for people who are not symptomatic. This is why testing at the airport, for instance, which several people have called um, for, um, is, it, 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 it's not effective. And some of the countries that started it stopped it because it leads to a load of false positives if you do temperature testing because you might be ill with something else and that complicates the system or it leads to lots of false negatives with the test returning a negative even though somebody's ill because they don't have enough virus in their system yet to be symptomatic and for the test to pick it up so testing of people who do not have symptoms is not reliable and it is counterproductive and so uh, it, we won't be doing it right, so. Uh, Mr. Speaker, he spoke absolutely rightly of the uh, chronology of feeling ill, dialing on one-on-one, and then uh, going to take the test itself. But can I echo the concerns of the self-test capability? He's obviously pointed out the difficulties in the accuracy. I'm concerned that about one-fifth of the UK workforce might be off ill, of which many of them may not develop the full symptoms himself. Can he look at, please, the ability of, of us uh, advancing a capability to self-test in the nearest future as possible? Because that will eliminate many of the workforce going off unnecessarily. Uh, well, of course, absolutely. In fact, there was a very big conference uh, in London today on precisely this issue. We're working with dozens of companies on it. Uh, we'll work with anybody and scour the world for a, a solution, as he describes. Um, he just, just one other thing I wanted to add is he talked about how I described the way, the way that what people should do if they feel ill and call 111. Also, going to the 111 website is really, really important because that takes pressure off the call centres and many people can get the answers they need without talking to somebody. Speaker, can I bring the Secretary of State back to his discussions and liaison with supermarkets? I'm aware of at least one supermarket chain who's already said to local food banks that they are cutting their orders and limiting what they're providing to food banks. Could you please raise this uh, with the uh, supermarket chains to make sure that those who need food aid provision in the country, the most vulnerable and the needy, get what they need? It's, it's DEFRA that's leading the work with the supermarkets uh, now, and so I will ensure that uh, DEFRA get that message uh, and, uh, and take that up. Uh, the vast majority of people who contract this disease will be able to self-isolate and recover at home. In a small number of cases, they'll need hospitalisation. And as the number of people infected increases, so could the serious cases increase as well. So could my right of friends say that those people that have to be hospitalised will have to be isolated? And what plans are there then to increase the number of beds that will be available in hospitals on isolation units? I, um, uh, we are increasing the number of beds and also by uh, moving away from some of the elective activity, making more beds available. But I, I just want to pick him up on one thing, which is that um, as, as and when this virus becomes widespread, isolation becomes less important than ventilation. The, the normal flu procedures are that keeping several people who all have the same flu in one room, in one ward, is absolutely fine. Uh, because they can't infect each other because they've all got the same disease. So um, isolation is vitally important in the contain phase. It, it, it is still important in delay, but as we get through to mitigating the impact, the, uh, the, the need for isolation facilities is less important. Three, uh, Mr. Speaker, the uh, Chancellor's announcements earlier today were very welcome, uh, but I wonder if the 
Secretary of State could help cast a little bit more light on the announcement about employment support allowance because there are millions of people as he knows who don't qualify for statutory sick pay and the effectiveness of self-isolation and doing the right thing relies absolutely on many people who are, don't, don't have uh, standard employment contracts being able to uh, be confident that if they self-isolate they won't lose out. Yet the employment and support allowance system works in retrospect with delays and is quite bureaucratic. Could you say a little bit uh, to us tonight about how that is going to be mitigated so that those who aren't on standard employment contracts will know that they can do the right thing and not suffer? Yes, we'll be publishing more on this in the very short order uh, because the changes needed in this um, area, some of them will be in the bill, but some of them are in secondary legislation so we can go at a faster pace uh, potentially than the bill. Um, and. Um, the, the, the ESAC, as it's known, um, it only comes in after seven days, and bringing that down is an important part of the reassurance that she seeks. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, can I thank the Secretary of State and all his team for the way that they've handled this so far, and also for the statement this evening? And can I thank as well the Secretary of State and those others for the way they have continued to communicate in a clear and very accessible way? And as, as this, uh, the spread of this virus it affects people's lives in more and more ways. It's really critical that that is, continues to happen, that fake news cannot be allowed, uh, cannot be given a breathing space, if you like. So can the Secretary of State assure us that there is a clear plan about how to communicate, that the whole of the public will know exactly where to go for information when they need it? Absolutely. This is, at, this is right at the top of the agenda, and uh, tackling fake news is incredibly important. Uh, the major uh, platforms, social media platforms, search engines, have already risen to this task, um, and I pay tribute to them, which I have in the past been known not to pay tribute to them, and sometimes quite the reverse. They have absolutely risen to this task, uh, and um, we, will, we will keep on it. But of course, the information that we provide to the public will have to evolve both as we learn more about the disease and as we move through this, the, the plan. Um, uh, for the moment, the absolute core message is that people should wash their hands. Secretary are we reaching a stage where, where people, if they have any form of cold, should be self-isolating? Because um, people have, uh, we've all known people who have been, who've had uh, cold, some of them more severe than others, but they've been able to be confident that that's not been coronavirus. But now it's becoming more prevalent. But how can they be sure? It's going to create a lot of confusion. So are we reaching that stage where, as the as Prime Minister alluded to the other day, that you may have to self-isolate if you have any symptoms? We're not there yet, but we're moving towards it. That's what the chief medical officer set out at, uh, at the press conference on, on Monday, um, in part for exactly the reasons he sets out. Aaron Bell. That we are following the science, including the behavioural science, and I also hugely welcome the cross-party approach we are taking. Does the Secretary of State therefore share my concern that celebrities, including some politicians on social media, are advocating a different approach, which they are completely at liberty to do, but does that risk undermining the national cohesion we need to uh, raise to this challenge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I've seen, I've seen some of the noises off. Um, I merely commend everybody to base the decisions and the judgments that they're making on science rather than politics. Yeah. David. Yeah, 
I thank the uh, Health Secretary for um, his update to the House and continual updates that he's been bringing to the House. A constituent of mine's partner suffers from cystic thrombosis and other related uh, illnesses and uh, they require daily treatment that's to do with cleansing and that includes the alcohol wipes and the gels. Uh, but obviously because of the panic buying that's been taking place in some of the shops, that this is they've been to the shops and haven't been able to purchase these items and this can obviously go on to have a serious underlying health issues for them. Is there any other protective factors that the government can put in place or work with supermarkets to try and manage this? Um, yes, absolutely. It's really important. We do have... Uh, we do have some supplies of these sorts of things, both in the supply chains uh, and in some cases uh, in, um, uh, within the, the, the chains of the shops themselves. Um, and we're working with the shops to make sure that people uh, can still get availability of things that can be quite critical uh, to their care. Um, it's something that we're working on uh, both with DEFRA and within the department, uh, particularly and with the NHS, uh, particularly in relation to pharmacies as well, uh, to make sure that we get the, 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 the right kit to the right people who need it. Oliver. In the Health Secretary for uh, doing a difficult job in trying circumstances extremely well. Uh, and likewise, all the staff at Kettering General Hospital who are working their socks off to ensure the hospital is fully prepared. The only easily understandable benchmark our constituents have to judge the scale of this thing is seasonal flu. So can the Health Secretary tell the House, on average each year, how many people catch seasonal flu and how many people die from it? Um, that is a great question, um, to which I don't have the answer in my head, but it is a matter of uh, hundreds of thousands in the first instance and thousands in the second. Hello, Robert. We know that uh, social care workers play a key role in supporting people to recovery and in alleviating pressure on clinical staff, yet today's budget offers no clarity on new money and care providers are still awaiting a draft social care strategy. If the Minister rightly seeks cross-party agreement, what steps is his government taking to bring forward a draft strategy for discussion on, on, on social care? And also, what discussions is he having with Welsh Government regarding social care capacity? Well, of course, the uh, delivery of social care is a devolved matter, um, and so um, we'll be bringing forward guidance. Uh, we're working with the devolved um, authorities um, on it to make sure it's as consistent as possible, but social care policy is different in the four nations, uh, and so obviously we'll have to take into account those differences. Gary Sabra. Uh, thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. On Sunday, Birmingham will play host to one of the largest St Patrick's Day parades in the world. Uh, and so can he assure me and the people of Birmingham that he will do everything he can to issue the right guidance as quickly, effectively as possible but so people can make sensible decisions when it comes to the use of public transport and attending mass gatherings? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, will, uh, I can assure my honourable friend that. Um, and uh, for now, the guidance is to uh, wash your hands and if you sneeze or cough, to make sure you catch it in a tissue and throw the tissue away. So more. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.
Can I thank the Secretary of State for always keeping the House informed throughout this crisis? He, I think he's doing his job well, and it's good that he's coming on a cross-party basis with the support of people right across the United Kingdom. I've been contacted by lecturers and school teachers in my constituency to ask what discussions the Secretary of State is having with the DfE, with the exam boards, and with the devolved administrations about what could happen moving forward as we approach the examination season. Because the point has been made to me, particularly by FE lecturers, that it isn't just children who will face exams in the coming months ahead. Um, this is an important consideration, Owen and I discuss it with the Education Secretary and with the Schools Minister uh, regularly. We're keeping it under review. Obviously, it would, in the best possible world, we'd want all exams to go ahead as always, but we also must keep people safe. Mike Wood. Mr Deputy Speaker, may I uh, pay tribute to the amazing uh, work of NHS staff who are working to support uh, patients who contracted COVID-19 and to prevent others from uh, catching it. What can be done to minimise the risk to those amazing NHS workers? I, 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 this is a really, really important part of our work. Um, it, not only extending the uh, rollout of PPE to all uh, the primary care settings, GPs, um, by the end of this week, that is on track. Um, and uh, making sure that everybody in community settings as well in the NHS gets support. Um, but crucially, this is going to be a tough time for people who work in the NHS. The demands on them are going to be very significant. And the nurses, the doctors, and all of the staff in the NHS do an extraordinary job all of the time, but they are going to be called to be the front line of our response in a way that, um, uh, that many haven't seen before. And so I thank them in advance, and I think the whole House would want to thank them in advance for the service that they're going to give. Wayne David. I note what the Secretary of State said earlier about different approaches in different countries. But I've been recently approached by the uh, Professor of uh, Visual Neuroscience at Cardiff University, Professor Jonathan Erickson. And he says there's a great deal of what we can learn from South Korea in particular. So will the Secretary of State give a commitment that he will, he will keep an open mind as to how our strategy might approach uh, this problem, given what's happening in other countries and their lessons? So absolutely. We are, we're daily looking at how every country in the world is responding to try to find the very best response. That is part of the science. And the SAGE process, the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the scientific advisory group on emergencies that is the, the body that comes together to bring that science together, is constantly reviewing this because we simply want to have the very best response we possibly can. And that's what we base the judgments on.